0: for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic
2: life with a
0: flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up health heroes, Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, we've got Dr. Will Tuttle from the worldpeacediet.com. Hey, Dr. Tuttle, you're my second guest that I've had on a second time, only the second. So we had our formulator, Dr. Scott Treadway, come on recently. And then we were, we just were chatting and I said, Hey, let's come on again. Cause there was just so much good stuff that you gave us last time. And I, we wanted to go a little bit deeper on that. So thanks for being here.
2: Great to be with you, Jim. Thanks, Tim. And thanks everyone for listening in. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: So yeah, well, let's get into it. For those of you that heard his story before, it's been a little over a year. Um, and um, we'll just have you cover that again real quickly, briefly. And then we're going to get into, um, you know, the medical model and what you see from a doctor's standpoint on the current medical model here in America. So let's go. What's your backstory again?
2: Right. Well, I'm, I'll do it a little differently this time since I already did it once. Uh, there's, there's lots of different aspects actually to the backstory, but I think one of the things that uh, makes me similar to other people is I was born and raised in a typical family eating the usual meals of lots of meat, dairy products and eggs. And I was born and raised in Concord, Massachusetts back in the 1950s. Uh, one of the things that was kind of cool about being raised in Concord, Massachusetts was that it's the uh, really the seat of the American Revolution. And so April 19th is Patriots Day, and my father, every April 19th, along with a bunch of other guys, would get on his Minuteman outfit and get the gun off the wall and go down to the Old North Bridge, and we would reenact the, uh, the battle where the Revolutionary War started and drive the British back uh, to Boston and basically celebrate the idea that If we have a a system in in place where there's a lot of oppression uh, and tyranny then we should do our best to create something better and a little bit later in Concord in the early uh, and mid 1800s there was another revolution It was called the Transcendentalist Revolution and it was really the first time in the United States that teachings from other traditions from Asia came into our society Thoreau and Alcott and Emerson these guys, they, they had the, the largest library of books on Taoism and Buddhism and Vedanta and so forth. And they were bringing in a lot of ideas. And one of them actually was not eating animals. Uh, there was an actual vegan community right outside Concord, started by Bronson Alcott, uh, funded by uh, Emerson. And they ate no meat, no dairy, no eggs. No, they wouldn't wear wool or silk or leather. They wouldn't even wear cotton because back in 1840 when this was, that came from slaves. So they were trying to create a, a, a world and a community uh, based on justice and freedom for, for everyone, for human beings, for animals, and for all living beings. And so I think it was really, um, I feel happy. You know, I think it was great that I was raised there, even though I was kind of oblivious to a lot of this. Uh, but my father owned also the, the the local newspaper. You know, he owned a whole one newspaper when I was born. And by the time I was in college, he had 13 newspapers, a whole chain of newspapers in that area in the concord massachusetts area outside of boston and so i learned early on about the media and the power of the media and also how media is beholden to advertisers that you can't have a newspaper with the the money comes in from the advertisers and so i learned early on that you really shouldn't run any news articles that the advertisers won't like and so this explains a lot this explains tremendous amount of why we have today the, the, the industry that spends the, by far the most money manipulating the media is the pharmaceutical industry. And they've taken tremendous uh, uh, progress in, in taking away, really, I think in many ways, our freedom of speech by controlling the narrative in our society. And one of the things I've realized now, I've been a vegan for 41 years, I, I became a vegan in 1980. So I stopped eating animal foods. Uh, in 1980 and before that uh, I was became a vegetarian but I've realized that it's really the pharmaceutical industry that is most opposed to people uh, stopping eating animal foods because when you when you stop eating animal foods they lose a lot of money and they don't like that so they want to keep everybody eating animal foods and I can talk more about why that's true but but that's the essential thing so uh, for me as a little kid growing up though in Concord, Massachusetts uh, I never questioned eating animal foods. When I was about seven, I think, I asked my mother, well, the kind of food we're eating, is this what everybody eats? And, and she said, yeah, it's pretty much what everybody eats. And then she came back a few minutes later, she said, well, that's not true, there are vegetarians. And I had never heard that word in my life. And uh, I said, gosh, you know, what's a vegetarian? And she thought <laughs> about it for a minute and then she goes, well, you know, don't worry about it, you're never gonna meet one anyway. <laughs> And then she said, "I don't know where they get their protein." So in my young mind, I had this idea of these people, these poor, pathetic people, who uh, were very rare. You know, my mother was very old; she never even met one. You know, and there was this idea in my mind that they were uh, very weak and they didn't have enough protein. And I knew protein was what muscles came from, and so. I was so glad I wasn't a vegetarian. I was so so glad. And I went away kind of like you, Tim. In the summers, I'd go away the summer camps where we would kill our own animals. And I remember Mm -hmm. I'd learn how to kill chickens and cows, and we we would do that. We would participate in the life of the farm. It was one of those beautiful little farms where nothing bad ever happens, you think, but if you're a cow or a chicken or some other animal, uh, it's brutal at one point. And so I participated in that, and I saw all that, but I was so programmed by my upbringing and I knew that God gave us these animals to eat. They don't have a soul. You have to eat them. And if you don't, you're going to die within 24 hours of a protein deficiency. You know, So that was it. I just did it. But luckily for me, anyway, when I went away to college, I started hearing that there were some vegetarians on campus. I never actually met one, but I heard there were some. This was back in the early 70s. And then right after college, I decided with my brother to go on a spiritual pilgrimage. We started learning about yoga and meditation, and we thought, that's kind of interesting. And... I wanted to find out more really, who I am life is all about so we decided we would walk from Massachusetts to California to San Francisco and we headed off and we walked for quite a while we walked all the way to Buffalo and then from Buffalo we headed south and when um, we got to uh, heading south we got to Tennessee uh, we met a community up with a community there called the farm and the farm in 1975 was the largest hippie commune in the world and they were all basically they said vegetarians today we would say they were vegans because they didn't eat meat or dairy or eggs and that was it i stopped eating meat there because i learned about the the cruelty really to to animals and to people you know they taught me a little bit about the fact that most of the food we're growing on this planet we're feeding to animals while people are going hungry and that's really the driving force behind a lot of the war and conflict in the world, because food shortage is really that, that's a basic injustice. So I learned about that. I learned about the the abuse of animals, um, especially on factory farms, but just in general. So I became a vegetarian, then a few years later, a vegan. And then a few years later, in, in California, I was living in these uh, meditation centers, a Tibetan meditation center, and I eventually shaved my head. And became a monk in, in Korea, a Zen Buddhist monk, and spent um, many, many hours, thousands of hours in meditation, in these meditation retreats in South Korea. And that really helped me a lot, I think, to understand that at a deeper level, how pervasively my mind had been colonized by my society, so I'm very grateful for, just for these ancient wisdom traditions that teach us to just sit and listen and be quiet and discover who we are at a deeper level, beyond the level of programming. And that's helped me enormously to see through, I think, uh, the false narratives in our society that cause so much suffering to animals, to ecosystems, to us, cause so much disease and injustice and misery. And they're all based basically on falsehoods. Uh, the big falsehood being materialism, that, we're, that there's nothing but matter on this earth. We have to look beyond the material level to see more uh, more deeply. So I'll stop there. But that's that's kind of the some of the background. Uh, I think a combination of political activism from my father, the newspaper guy, and the revolutionary, <laughs> and then also the mystical aspect uh, of questioning at a much deeper level from a spiritual point of view. And I think... When we start doing that, uh, it's not only very healing for us, we can begin to heal uh, our relationships and our families and with our in our society as well.
0: Yeah, that's good stuff, man. I also think that, uh, first off, I want to thank you because a lot of people listening, especially if new listeners, are probably thinking, well, dude, I'm not going to go walk across the country and... I don't know about changing my diet and all this stuff, but you, you, you went through this process. One thing led you to the next to the next. You're obviously curious as a kid. And, um, you know, a lot of people are like, I don't have time to, I'm not going to shave my head and be a Tibetan monk and meditate six hours a day, but you were, you were able to do that. And what I like about that is like, like when we're coaching people, we just want people to pause for a moment, just for a moment and clear their mind and really think things through. Right. Right and use common sense and use instinct and try to tap into that, that spiritual power and just really find out what really resonates with you. Right. You know, um, one thing that's a perfect, easy example is dairy, dairy products. And, you know, and pe- people are like, well, what's wrong with dairy? You know, well, um, you know, what's the purpose of cow's milk in nature? I just ask them a question and they're like, well, you know, it's for, a." For a baby cow okay so cow's milk in nature's for a baby cow and how long is that baby cow gonna drink that milk well and you see people it's so funny like well they're gonna drink it for a while and then until they're weaned and then they don't drink it anymore okay cow's milk in nature's for a baby cow for a short period of time until that cow is weaned and then the cow goes and eats what grass, or they'll say, Hey, I'm like, that's correct. They go eat grass or they should be eating grass. But now we know there's genetically modified soy and corn and also other garbage they put in them. But that's the purpose of cow's milk in nature. So if, and, and does the adult cow drink milk? Do you ever see an adult cow going down on the breast of another cow and getting a sip of milk? You know? And they're like, no. And they start laughing about it. And like, no, it's silly. And I'm like, yeah, I know I grew up on a farm. If a, if an adult cow tried to get Um, on the the boob of another cow, I'd get kicked in the head. Like, get out of here. You know what I mean? That's what would happen. That's for my baby. And um, it's weird to think about. So it's weird to think about adult cow drinking cow's milk from its own species. But put into context, we as humans are drinking from the breast of another species. As adults, we're not even babies. Like, it's just like, why are we doing this? And then you see people just like, think they're thinking about it and all of a sudden it hits them and you can see that they had an epiphany, right? And they're like, oh yeah, I never thought about that. And then I say, you know, what I learned was, is that baby cows, well, number one, there's a, there's a, the main protein in dairy is casein. You're aware of this, but we don't have a substance called renin to break it down. Baby cows have renin in their stomach. We don't have it. That's why at some level we are all lactose intolerant right? We just, we don't maybe notice the symptoms as much as some people, they take it, they they can't, they, they don't, they don't feel good. They might allergy type reactions right out of the gate. But some of us are having that systemic inflammation, internal inflammation at some level. There's some type of lactose intolerant because it's milk from another species and we're adults. Like we don't need that stuff now, right? So when, when people get that education and they have these epiphanies, um, then all of a sudden it's like, they, they, they start thinking about what else have I been lied to about? What else have I been conditioned right. to about? And then they find something else and they get that, they get the real problem, real solution. And then it leads them to the next, to the next, to the next. So a lot of us, when our busy lifestyles, raising kids and society and doing all these things we do and taking care of parents and careers and all this stuff and traveling and vacations, trying to do all this stuff. Nobody really stops for a moment and really just thinks and meditates and, you know, step back for a little bit, get out of the emotional. It's like when two people are fighting, you know, a spouse there and the nobody's being, you're, if you're both yelling, you're not accomplishing anything. You're not getting heard. They're not getting heard. All you're doing is jacking up your cortisol. You're, you're polluting your body with chemicals and you're ruining your relationship. It's best to take a step back, cool off, really think it through. And usually when you do that, you you start looking at it from their point of view, Oh, okay, well, maybe I could have changed this, I could have changed that. And then you come together in an open mind. You talk, I'm gonna listen. Okay, repeat it back. You know, go through these processes. You, you, you come back together um, in that in that relationship. And it's the same thing with what we have to do with all this social conditioning, right? So, with that being said, why don't you just step into social conditioning and let's talk about. The medical model today's current medical model where did it come from what's it how's it working and and um what do you see going on with that
2: yeah good i mean uh <laughs> it's as i talk about in the world peace diet the medical model that we uh, have in the west especially uh is a product of animal agriculture i think we have to understand that clearly and Animal agriculture is the core of our society. We don't. We're no, most people don't realize this. It took me thirty years to actually understand this, uh, and studying it you know, every day, trying to figure it out, that we're born and raised in a society that's organized at its living core around herding animals, around owning animals as property for food primarily and for other products, and so that orientation is an orientation of domination and exploitation and imprisonment and killing and sexual abuse of other living beings uh, so that we can uh, use them. And uh, we're doing this on a massive scale. It's a scale that completely boggles the mind. We're killing in the United States uh, 75 million animals every single day for food, and that's only land animals. If we uh, include uh, all the uh, sea animals, it's, it's even much more. So, This is a massive industrialized killing machine that is driven by us, by a human, you know, us, the, we, the people taking out our wallets and paying someone somewhere to imprison and and sexually abuse and then steal the baby of another.
0: But people don't think of it about like that. And I know growing up, I was a decent person. You were a decent person, but you, you're like having, Hey, we're having hamburgers with your family. That's a. Right. How's that
2: it's bad? Just to, just to see. It's nothing bad. It's just to understand that this is a massive killing machine that we're mm-hmm. participating in. We're causing when we vote for it with our dollars. That's the only place we really vote anymore anyway, right. <laughs> with our dollars, that they actually get counted. But I think, um, th- and then we're eating that, right? So we're eating all of the, the various types of toxins that come into our body from, from eating these animals. Um, but the underlying dynamic is what I really want to emphasize here. It's a do, it's a dynamic of dominating nature and of uh, of being separate from nature and separate from uh, the rest of the uh, mammals and other living beings on this earth. That we're inherently far superior to them. We think, and that we are also we have the right to dominate and exploit them because we're special. So this is this is. A, uh ritually injected into us this understanding through meals anthropologists understand essentially that all societies are going to indoctrinate the people in them that's what societies do you learn you know, their language their food becomes my language and my food and my religion and so forth but food is the biggest way that any society uh, actually passes its values on from generation to generation so looking deeply into our food is the greatest adventure of self-discovery we can go on, because when we look deeply into food, we see the template underlying everything that's usually hidden. And so it's the template of our religion, uh, of our uh, political system, our economic system, and especially of our medical system. All of these of the family, and it's based on on power over. Uh, so the the underlying problem really is that we are inflicting tremendous suffering and pain on other living beings unnecessarily because for example i've been a vegan now or eating a whole food plant-based diet for 40 years like i said and i'm not the only one there's literally millions of people that have been doing this and it's very successfully i'm as healthy probably far healthier than anybody my age so it works and so the basic idea is it doesn't only work for me it works for the environment it takes far less land according to to this um, this, just the the uh, scientific research on this uh, there's really no argument about it It takes far less land and water and petroleum to feed people eating a plant-based diet than it does to grow huge amounts of corn and soy and alfalfa to feed animals and then convert all that into animal flesh or dairy products or eggs so it's much more efficient much less polluting much healthier, much less violence, much less disease, and so forth. But the money in the medical system comes from disease. Yeah, that's what we have to understand. They haven't made any money on me in 50 years. The last time I went to a doctor was when I was about 18 years old. Uh, when I was a freshman in college, I went and I had I had a boil on my lip. I remember I had to go to the infirmary <laughs> and have it taken care of. I have not been to a doctor, I have not been to a drugstore you know, to, to buy anything, I, you know, whatever it is, Tylenol, Aspirin, RightGuard, uh, whatever people buy you know, in drugstores, I don't know, except Band-Aids I've bought a few times. But, so, so the basic idea is that if we take responsibility for our health and really learn the foundation of healthy living for ourselves, that it comes out of compassion and a sense of connectedness with nature and with our own true nature then we can raise our level of health to a degree where we're not dependent on a medical system and definitely not dependent on uh, substances that are always toxic Uh, pharmaceutical products are always toxic and so we have to realize that the underlying template is a template of domination and exploitation of nature and of being afraid of nature because we're harming these animals on a massive scale so Uh, At a very deep level, one of the main teachings that I emphasize in the World Peace Diet is the universal teaching of whatever you sow, so shall you reap. We have to understand this. If we're going to insist on sowing the seeds of commodifying, imprisoning, sexually abusing, and force medicating, and microchipping and tracking billions of animals every single day, how do we think that we're going to somehow magically not have that happen to us? That we're, we're at such a higher level that that's not going to come boomeranging right back onto us. That the cancer and obesity and osteoporosis and misery and social deprivation that we force on millions of animals unnecessarily, that we're not going to start seeing that showing up in our human world. It is showing up in our human world. And so if I go to the store or to a restaurant, I take up my wallet and I pay for animal foods, I am sowing the seeds of that. And so, for, for somewhere, because of what I'm doing, a chicken or a cow or a pig or other animal is going to be imprisoned and stabbed and, and attacked and, and, and going to experience uh, terror and pain and misery because of my action. And so, be, since we're all, most, almost everyone is doing that on a massive scale, sowing these seeds of being the invisible abusers and killers of other beings, we have a whole society. That is prepped and primed to be afraid that there's uh, invisible beings that are going to try to harm us. And they're viruses and they're bacteria and they're everywhere and they're out to get us. We have to wash everything down. We have to wear masks. We have to social distance. We have to have drugs. We have to have all these things to protect us. We have to have whole armies of health professionals to protect us. And uh, this is what we have to understand: is that when we look deeply into nature. We see beauty, we see cooperation, we see the fact that the microbiome, which is the community of bacteria that live inside of our own body, there's far more of them than there are actually of me in this physical body, and the microbiome of the soil, uh, that this is the foundation of life. We have an agricultural system that destroys the microbiome of the soil, we, we just douse everything with that's actually a big issue pesticide. it's a huge issue that is a
0: big issue that people yeah. are not talking about people really don't right. understand permaculture what that is right
2: right so we're maybe you could talk about water. that
0: before we wrap up because we're gonna have to go to break but let's uh-huh. actually let's do this let's take a break we'll come back let's get into that soil ecology really quick and we'll talk about the difference between you know till farming which i used to do as a farmer and permaculture
1: and also why we'll be right back humans only use 10% of the brain and that can't change no matter how much we try but you don't need to limit your body to the same standards bring your cells to 100% with green 85 juice formula replace 85% of nutrients your body needs to function to the next level our chemical free juice formula is 100% organic contains no stimulants and is made right here in the USA visit chemicalfreebody.com and get green 85 shipped right to your door chemicalfreebody.com
0: What's up health heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Will Tuttle and you know we're just going to talk all over. We got a lot of stuff to cover here today but um, we were just talking about soil ecology and you were talking about microbiome and for those of you who followed us before we know that there's like 380 trillion viral cells in us. There's 60 trillion bacterial cells and only 6 trillion human cells so bacteria is a huge component. It's part of our uh, innate immune system. Uh, we have 700 of them in our mouth. We have, you know, you you look at, there's just, we're billions of bacteria cells. And what's really important is a lot of those billions of bacteria cells, where do they come from? Well, they come from the soil. And this is something I learned about magnesium not too long ago with Kristen Bowen. I had her, um, had her on the show. In fact, I'll just type it up. Uh, I think it's um, episode 56 on our podcast. You guys go check it out she was talking about magnesium. Now, this gal has been into magnesium for over 20 years. She's cracked the code on it. The supplements today that we're taking are not getting full cell saturation with magnesium. We can't, You can't do it. She said, the only thing that I found is if you get the right type of magnesium and you do foot soaks or baths with your feet in the water. So, the feet are very important to get this magnesium into your system. She's like, so why can't we get it out of the foods? Well, what I learned was is that the bacteria in the soil actually transport the magnesium in through the root system of the plant. So if you don't have these natural ecology of bacteria in the soil doing what mother nature has put together over billions of years, and you till the soil, like I used to as a farmer, and then you plant your crops, you know, and you put in your fertilizer, whatever, and you grow your crop, that's great, right? But there's certain elements and nutrients that you can't get into the root system of the plant because the bacteria that shuttle them there, transport them there, are not there. You killed them when you tilled that soil. So permaculture is where they farm on the soil and they do not till. That's all permaculture really is. Uh, maybe you can digress on this, Dr. Total.
2: Thank you. Yeah. You know, that's so important, Tim. I think, um, you know, we have where we live in Northern California, a food forest, and we've been experimenting with this now for about 11 years. And it's, um really about building up the soil and, and uh, effective microorganisms and and compost and so forth because the way agriculture is done now commercially like you're saying uh, it, it's putting in oil basically petroleum derivatives a uh, long time ago over a hundred years ago Rockefeller and, and the Fa- Rockefeller Foundation and other people uh, realized that there's a lot of money actually in not only in oil but also in agriculture and in Uh, pharmaceutical industry. And these are all petroleum-based products. Uh, So the the foundation of our agriculture today shifted from soil to oil. And uh, it takes a huge amount of fossil fuels to make all these fertilizers. Enormous quantities of petroleum are used in pesticide, herbicide, and fungicides, especially glyphosate. And glyphosate now is rampant. I mean, glyphosate basically is everywhere. We will not eat anything if it's not certified organic because glyphosate is a broad spectrum antibiotic. It basically kills uh, and destroys your microbiome in your body and the microbiome in the soil. And so this is being, has been unleashed uh, on human, human beings uh, in an ever-increasing amount over the last decades. So it's really critical for people to t- again take responsibility for your health, the quality of your food, grow your own food as much as possible. I think that's absolutely the best. Then you know what you're getting. Build the soil. We've been building soil here. When we moved here, there was not there was the soil was basically nothing. And now after all these years, we have really rich soil with lots of worms and it's fantastic. And we grow, we have 65 fruit and nut trees that we've planted and we grow lots of herbs and vegetables and berries and all kinds of stuff that we eat and we even can sell some of that. So I think you know, each one of us can be uh, taking some time to grow our own food or at least support local people. Or caring for the soil organically, and like you're saying, with permaculture techniques that respect and build the soil and create ecosystems that are healthy, where insects are working together and birds and and other uh, pollinators, also. And uh, it's a beautiful thing, really. It's it's a it's a magnificent thing. That what we have to understand, as I was saying earlier, is that. A- animal agriculture is the living core of our society, and animal agriculture is based on dominating and exploiting nature. So, after ten thousand years of animal agriculture, we started this in Iraq ten thousand years ago. We now have gotten to the point where everything we do, everything like animal agriculture, we do plant agriculture like animal agriculture. In other words, instead of creating orchards and gardens where we are nurturing and plants and plants and growing food, originally was about nurturing plants and it was basically women's work that was working in harmony with nature and with the miraculous truth that if I plant one seed I get thousands of seeds. It's this wonderful giving. It's so beautiful. And the opposite of that is animal agriculture which was men's work and based on violence and stealing and destroying and terror and the animals did not want to be exploited they didn't they wanted to be able to run around and not have their babies stolen and have their milk stolen and have their eggs and purposes and everything stolen from them but we did it anyway and so after 10,000 years of that we've created a whole uh, mentality and practice of domination of nature and so now we use gmos and herbicides and pesticides and all these violent ways of monocropping that are based on destroying the webs of life that we depend on to be healthy. So if we are not healthy, the last thing we want to do is to go to a doctor who's been trained by the very same system, the pharmaceutical system, which is based on poisoning the soil Poisoning the human soil the, of our human body of our our microbiome, that has a basically adversarial relationship. See, we we have an adversarial relationship with nature. We're trying to kill the insects and get and destroy uh, the birds and anyone who might compete with us for our food. All the wildlife and all the the prairie dogs and uh, these are all con- seen as enemies. And now we have an adversarial relationship with even with the our own the bacteria that make up our bodies. We have antibiotics that we take. All these things that destroy our natural health. And of course, that just creates more opportunity uh, for more disharmony, which means more profits. One of the things we have to really understand, and this is a key point, is that if I, for example, in myself, if I get symptoms, if I have a sore throat or runny nose, and whatever, some kind of a, like I'm getting sick, people would say. when when that happens, I go, great, I'm cleaning out. Great, that's fantastic. I love it. The last thing I would do would be to go and see a doctor or go to a drugstore and try to stop that, right? I mean, what could be more stupid than trying to stop the natural wisdom of our body to cleanse? The the mucus and all these things, it's cleansing. It's like there's over eighty. Thousand toxic chemicals that have been unleashed into the soil and water and into our food, our body has to cleanse. It does that by what we call a sickness or, you know, it's cleaning house. And so we go to a diet, we think that's bad, and they suppress the symptoms. And so we can't clean out the toxins. So it drives them deeper into our tissues. And the next thing we know, we have cancer. Or we have diabetes, we have all these much more serious diseases and they give us even more toxic chemicals to take, right? So this is a recipe for uh, obviously disaster for us, but for tremendous power and wealth to be concentrated in the hands of a few people. Who keep telling us over and over again that we have to be very afraid uh, of nature, very afraid of the viruses and bacteria, which really are our friends. They are the way that our body cleanses. They're not the enemy. They're actually our friends. There are no, uh, in my from my point of view and the research I've been doing, there are there's nothing inherently dangerous.
0: Yeah, let's uh, talk we've been about this evolving
2: really with these for millions of years.
0: Let's talk about something really quick that everybody listening can do to drive the point home and get first person experience and how powerful nature is. So what I want you guys to do is write this down. If you're driving, just do it later. But when you get a cut or you get an infection or you get an ingrown toenail, any type of a topical cut or scratch or abrasion or something like that, or there's an open wound and you're having the potential for infection, or you know it's going to be, you know, you get scratched by a cat or you're playing hoops in the morning and some guy scratches you playing hoops with his fingernails. You know, you're going to get an infection there, right? What you do is you take 100% organic garlic clove and you're going to press that. And you're going to take one third organic garlic clove pressed. And then you're going to mix that with two thirds of some type of an oil, like organic cold pressed olive oil would be perfect. So one part, Pressed garlic, two parts uh, of the uh, organic cold-pressed olive oil. Stir it up, and you're gonna have to let it sit, and for about 30 minutes, because garlic is very caustic. And on the on the pH the p- scale, it's about 3.3. It's very acidic. Okay. Now this stuff is powerful. You know, when people take antibiotics, it's gonna kill you know 99% of the bacteria, 99.9, and it leaves that 1.01 or 0.1 left behind to breed stronger and stronger and stronger and get more resistance with bacteria. I saw pictures. Well, where the, just the gas coming off of the garlic hundred percent kill zone on bacteria hundred percent. So I was actually, I I learned about this and um, I had, I had ingrown toenails um, when I, once when I was like 16 and it's very painful because they got to stick the needle down the tip of your toe, which is like, it's like torture they used in Vietnam to torture uh, soldiers they did, they did bamboo, you know, little shards of bamboo string. And they'd stick in the toe and torture people because you have bundles of nerves in your big toe. Getting that shot is one of the most painful things I've ever had in my life. You have to bite something. Once the shot's over with and your toe's numb, then they actually take scissors and they cut your part, a third of your nail off at an angle. And then they take silver nitrate on a stick and they burn the nail down the bed in there with the silver nitrate to stop that little part from growing out. So hopefully it grows out straight again. And you learn to cut your toenail straight across. Anyway, very painful experience. I went through it three times. I have a whole longer story about this moron doctor at the ER that forced me to go back in and go through the same procedure two weeks later because he didn't do what I said because he wasn't doing it correctly. And my son got the same problem and his toenail was just infected and raw and painful. I said, well, let's try this garlic deal. So, I made the batch. I let it set for 30 minutes and we we, we applied that bandage and changed it three times a day with the raw uh, garlic uh, mixture. And within two days of doing that, the infection was completely gone and I was able to get under his um, toenail there with um, some tweezers and pack in some cotton and then let his toenail come out. Now, if I would have went to the doctor it would have been hundreds of dollars in just appointments and you know copays, and and then I would have they would have given me antibiotics or get, and giving my son excuse me my son antibiotics that would have destroyed his gut microbiome, lowered right. his immune system, and what I learned about garlic is is that it kills all the bad bacteria, but it doesn't kill the good bacteria. This is part of that um, uh, innate immune system that we have that's on our skin and in our mouth. That protects us, the bacteria that protects us. These are like the Marines that are just sitting there. They're part of the army that's protecting our body and keeping us strong. So this garlic solution, what did that cost? 25 cents? It took me Don't five minutes. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> five, five minutes to make it one of the best topical solutions right. for bacteria I've ever seen in my life. And guess what? It freaking works every single time. It works every single time. So you guys can go home and see nature in action, the power of nature. The difference is that a pharmaceutical company will look at, "Ooh, what's in that garlic thing that's working so well? And then they'll try to isolate one molecule, synthesize it, and then raise it up 500 to 5,000% and sell it to you as as, as a cure. Now, I want to go back. So I I suggest everybody do that, but I want to go back because you mentioned something, Will, about crude oil being sprayed synthetic fertilizers, synthetic pesticides, fungicides, herbicides, larbicides, all these things come from crude oil. Well, William Rockefeller Senior, um, he was also known as Devil Bill. And he was the guy that he, he was like a business guy, but he was also said he was an herbalist. He's the guy that went around and sold um, crude oil in a jar to people that had cancer, and and he literally called it snake oil. That was what it was called. It was called snake oil. This is where the term snake oil came from. And he sold it to people as a cure for cancer, and and he charged them ridiculous amounts. I was almost two months. I think it was like one to two months worth of a salary, your salary for the year, just for a bottle of crude oil. So imagine this. Imagine somebody today taking motor oil and writing snake oil on it and walking. In, oh, you have cancer. Here, take this. Um, that'll be $8,000. That's what he was doing back then. Cause people just didn't know. Cause they didn't have the education and you know, there, maybe there was some placebo effect there, but imagine just drinking oil and, and, and him doing that to people and just, just fleecing people. Right. So that's where the snake oil salesman came from was actually the, one of the fathers of the oil industry. Right. And this oil industry has continued to perpetuate destruction uh, pollution on a chemical level so bad that our hormones are being disrupted. And from all the water sources today, because it's pervasive in lakes, streams and tributaries, both of fish and, and amphibians are becoming hermaphrodites. They're having both male and female organs, right,
1: right? Because
0: of the amount of these plastics. So this is a, what you said is just I wanted people to understand, you guys can go do the research on this. But this is where we're at. So we've talked about all this. Let's talk about food, Dr. Tuttle as a solution and being your own doctor. So what what do people do that are like, okay, we have these problems. There's a lot of toxins out there. There's these, you know, corporate America, big government, big tech, they're all in it together. What do I do as an individual to boost my immune system, boost up my bacteria in my body so I can be like you and, you know, For fifty years, you didn't even go to a doctor. Okay, so this is a pretty good guy to listen to because he's got first-person results. He hasn't been to a doctor since he was eighteen. Okay, so what what do we do with food, um, or would you recommend first steps for people to be their own doctor?
2: Well, that's a great question, and uh, I think like like what I've learned overall is it's about detoxifying our our system as best we can. So. Um, move, first of all, to as quickly as possible to a whole foods, organic, plant-based way of eating. Uh, As much as possible, a lot of uh, uncooked food is also helpful, Uh, but the most important thing is it's organic, so you don't want to be eating pesticides, herbicides, and fungicides and all this other stuff. Uh, Whole foods, you don't want to be eating preservatives and chemicals, try to, like what we buy basically are just fruits and vegetables when we go to the store, grains, nuts, and seeds. And we make things from that. There's a learning curve, but most people Mm -hmm. are buying processed foods that have a lot of chemicals in them. So stay away from those foods and support people who are trying to grow food in harmony with nature. The food that we're eating uh, really should be a food that's clean. And I... Did quite a bit of fasting in the early days I did four day seven day ten day 11 day whatever uh, water fast when I was in my 20s and 30s and I would continue fasting every at least once or twice a year all the way up through my into my 60s but I think um, uh, that's good you give your body a break now and then and just uh, drink water or just maybe drink vegetable juice and uh, but that you know so that's a, uh, that's the foundation you want to be eating and I think it's important to get enough calories, so make sure you're eating. Uh, we, we have basically raw food in the morning and at noon, primarily. Uh, we have a big smoothie. Uh, we eat quite a lot of um, fruits and, and berries and, um, and, and raw vegetables and from the garden and so forth. And, and uh, we also have some uh, starch, which is a clean burning fuel in the evening. And then get plenty of exercise. It's important to mm-hmm. really use your body. You know, do running or bicycling, or I do 500 uh, reps every morning with a weighted jump rope just to kind of get things going. And swim. I swim in the lake every morning. That we have nearby here. And uh, do. I think doing yoga is fantastic. Uh, there's, there's, you know, a, a, it's really a wonderful way to build. Flexibility, strength, balance, and so forth. I also do Tai Chi every morning, uh, which is good for again for balance and and um, just peacefulness. And walking, also maybe walking trampoline. is great. Walking, you know, whatever you whatever you can do to move your body, because that gets the not only the, the blood moving, but also the lymph. Our lymph system, a lymphatic system, is really the foundation uh, of our immune system. So you wanna, it doesn't have a heart like, you know, the circulatory system has the heart. The lymphatic system, it needs the muscles to move that lymph around. And that's what really cleans out a lot of the dead cell material and, and, and gets rid of uh, pollution. So you wanna breathe. You know, pranayama, I do a lot of pranayama, just deep breathing uh, practices as well. Uh, and um, meditation in general. I always meditate every day for an hour and a half at least in the morning. Uh, take time to just be quiet and listen. Uh, read some books that are uplifting, that are of a spiritual nature. Maybe have a journal so you're writing about your life and make, you know getting insights about what's going on in your relationships, in your career, in your creativity, and your uh, issues that you're having. You're writing about it can be very helpful. So I think you know, health is a, is a, there's many aspects. There's quality sleep is important. Make sure you turn off all the Wi-Fi and get the EMF fields uh, out of your space as much as possible. Fresh air, sunshine, sunshine is really important. People are afraid of the sun uh, and that's because people are eating fractionated oils and toxic food. If you're not eating fractionated oils, uh, the sun is not really your enemy. That's what I found. I never, I never wear sunscreen. Ever, ever, ever. I'm in the sun all the time. I never have any problem. Uh, when your your body will love the information it gets from the sun. You should take sun baths and take water. Get into the lit water as much as possible. Lakes, streams, very healing. Every day, get into the water. Drink clean water. You know, make sure your water's clean. Your food's clean, uh, and then wake up every and then the most important thing more important than all of this really is your mind. I mean the mind is really the foundation of health. If I can be doing all of this stuff but if I'm going around being angry and frustrated and irritated at people, <laughs> my body's cr- is a pharmacy. It's creating literally tens of thousands of hormones and chemicals and then going through my blood so bloodstream. So really, to wake up in the morning and give thanks for your day, give thanks for the people in your life, give thanks for the beauty that surrounds you. because the thing and and really to cultivate a purpose for your life, that's the most important thing. If I wake up in the morning and I don't have a, a strong sense of a purpose like why I'm here what and what I'm all about, think of it. I mean, all the cells in my body, they're going like, well, what the heck are we working hard for this guy? I mean, he, you know, he's not even doing anything. We might as well relax, you know, we might as well not even do anything. But if I'm waking up in the morning, I'm like, gosh, you know, I, I want to help the world. I want to do this. I want to do that. Every cell in my body, my heart, my digestion, my brain is like, oh, man, we got we to work. We got important work to do here. Let's get going. Let's get to it. You know, it's, it's really those messages are critical. What we're feeling, our body is responding to our mind all the time. Our body is an out picturing of our mind that's why i don't go to doctors because when i go to a doctor he's looking at me like i'm just a piece of meat the way we look at cows and pigs and chickens like they're just a piece of meat they don't see the being and we're a being we're eternal uh, essentially what we are is eternal consciousness we're just functioning through a vehicle and we're creating that vehicle through our consciousness primarily through our mind and through the stories we're telling ourselves so be aware of your mind. Be aware of the stories you're saying. If you're, if I'm saying, "Gosh, you know that guy's a pain in the neck." Well, yeah, you, I'm going to get a pain in my own neck <laughs> probably. So you know, be aware of the stories and and be positive. And have, but it's important to have the positivity rooted in a deep practice of meditation. Because if it's if the positivity is just a band aid, and I'm just saying, "Oh, I, I'm grateful for my life," but at a deeper level, I'm terrified and I'm afraid and I'm unhappy. It's not really powerful. It has to come from a deeper wellspring. So that's why it's important to do uh, meditation and connect with nature. Nature is really the greatest of all healers. Just being with trees, with flowers and bushes and wind and water, uh, that is taking your shoes off, connecting with with your bare feet on the earth. All of these things... Uh, give messages to our physical body that are tremendous and and to our mind and to to feel that I'm part of nature. That's why I think eating a plant-based diet is so important because as soon as I'm paying other people to do nothing but stab animals all day or impregnate females on rape racks, I mean, do I, I don't want to do that and I certainly don't want to act and eat that and put that into this beautiful temple. Why would I want to put violence and misery and toxicity and terror and fear and pain and suffering into this one vehicle I have for this lifetime to express love joy and abundance and so forth so the key is to make our lives congruent to have our actions and thoughts and feelings all in alignment Mm -hmm. so we're being loving at a deep level the people in our lives the animals the ecosystems appreciating them and the very cells in our body will know that when we go out into our garden we love the trees and the plants they will create medicine for us. If we're eating our, the food we grow ourselves, it has our consciousness in it. We're putting our consciousness, I not only do that, I put actually all my urine goes in it. You know, I mean, we, everything goes in there. We recycle <laughs> everything back, you know? So the information, um, you know, our urine is amazing. I mean, it's filled with nitrogen and, and, and tremendous, uh, wonderful things. You should never be throwing away your urine. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, put it back in the garden, mix it with water, put it in the garden. And and they're getting not only nitrogen, they're getting information. They're getting you, right? They're getting they they know who who it is.
0: So if you're taking and, pharmaceutical drugs, though, don't pee in the garden.
2: No, no, no. You only if you're eating a totally organic, <laughs> clean yeah, whole, plant-based foods. Make sure your I, urine's really clean. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I really love it when you talked about that connection with nature. Uh, I have a perfect example. I was just up in Central Oregon, up in this beautiful aqua, beautiful cold lake. You could literally, super clear, you could see the trout swimming by. It was really cool. And um, there was a ton of butterflies along the edge where there was a little bit of mud. Right, right, you know, I told my girlfriend and my nieces, I said, come over here and look at these butterflies. There's like a million of them, right? And they were like, oh my God. And there were so many of them. There was actually some wings of some that had got, you know, and you see some trout, they'd land and their trout would jump out of the lake and grab a butterfly. I mean, it's just bazillions of them, right? And all of a sudden, we went back over there again, and there was this one guy, and he was crouched down on his knees, and he had the biggest smile you could. He was just, he was so happy. He was just so happy, and um, and my girlfriend Rebecca was like, she's like, man, you must be the happiest man on earth with that smile, and she just paddled up in her kayak, and he says, yeah, he's like. I'm I'm from Chicago and, you know, I've lived in the city my whole life. And I just I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. He's like, this is so amazing. He couldn't take his eyes off the butterflies. They were just flying all around him. And I think he was feeling that connection of him and nature and the connection to the butterflies. And then and then I said, well, do you, do you see the trout out there? And he's like, he he's so focused on the butterflies. He's like, oh, my God. You know, then he's freaking out about the trout and then he sees the trout eating the butterflies. I said, keep an eye out there. Every once in a while, a butterfly will get too low or fall in the water and then they'll hammer him. And um, he was just like, wow. I mean, this guy was completely blown away. And I know over in in Chinese culture, that's what they do is they, one of the ways they heal people is they simply just get rid of their phones, their laptops and all that stuff. And they just go walk out in trees in nature. That's the medicine.
2: It is. Yeah, that's the best medicine. really.
0: So I think you did a great job on food solutions, uh, being your own doctor. You gave a bunch of steps. I'll recap these at the end. Um, So let's take another break, uh, Dr. Tuttle. When we get back, guys, um, we're going to get into um, how food helps you to build or open up your uh, to grow or open or to grow your spiritual connection. We'll be right
1: back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution absorbs over 100 times better than regular turmeric products, eliminating the need to add black pepper. Turmeric 100 helps against inflammation and pain and is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% natural, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com.
0: What's up, Health Heroes? Hi. Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Will Tuttle. Um, we've had a good talk so far, Doc. Now what I want to do is like, let's get into how does food, you know, it can either close down your spiritual connection, it can open it up, or if you already have a spiritual connection, it can grow it to levels that you didn't think possible. Um, I know it's because we're all frequency. Um, how would how would you um, share that message with people?
2: Yeah, well, that's what you just said. We're all frequency. I mean that that's kind of uh, <laughs> that's a very profound uh, and powerful principle to be aware of. You know, there's a a word in Japanese, shojin, which means a diet with no animal foods for spiritual and ethical reasons. Uh, it's a practice. It's a practice. They would practice shoujin, so just eating a totally plant-based food uh, and diet uh, for spiritual reasons, for attaining a higher state of consciousness, for attaining enlightenment. And so the uh, the underlying idea, uh, I've already said basically that uh, when we harm others, it comes back to us. And so one of the things that people who meditate understand is that if I do anything to another person or even another being that is harmful to them, that it makes the mind more agitated, it makes my mind more agitated. And so all religious and spirits, I think really authentic spiritual traditions have had certain rules that we should live by. You see that in all related, like these sort of codes of conduct or precepts. There's five main precepts that, are pretty much universal in all spiritual traditions, and really even in all cultures. Not killing others, not stealing from them, not not sexually abusing them, not deceiving them. And then the fifth one is uh, not to force drugs on them that are harmful or to take them ourselves. Mm. So those are the five universal taboos. And when it comes to our diet, when, when it comes to animal-based foods, we're doing all five, right? We're committing all five things. These cows, pigs, chickens, fishes, other animals, they're, they're killed, they're stolen from, they're sexually abused, uh, they're deceived and manipulated, and there's over 10,000 different drugs and hormones and antibiotics that have been approved to be injected into these animals without their permission. And so we're horribly, we're breaking these precepts. On a massive scale. So, we're causing tremendous harm, even if we're nice to the people around us in our life, uh, but we're doing it to these animals. And we're doing it to the people, really. I mean, if I'm paying somebody, it's well known that the workers in animal agriculture operations have among the highest rates of drug addiction and alcohol abuse and other things, especially in slaughterhouses. Other oh ways, yeah
0: the stuff that they see. Terrible.
2: yeah they see terrible and they have to not only see it they have to do it they have to stab the animals all day or they have to impregnate them all day or they have to whatever it is cut them up so these so we're causing a lot of suffering to other beings and so we our behavior and our state of mind are intimately connected some people think well you know if I um, if I if I just change my uh, way of thinking then uh, I'll be I'll be happier But we have to not only change our way of thinking, we have to change our way of acting because our actions also affect our mind. They go both ways. And so we can create uh, in our... uh, Grab your microphone up
0: a little bit, brother. Oh, yeah, okay.
2: We can can create in our way of living uh, a way of living that's a positive, virtuous cycle. In most people in our society, unfortunately, it's more of a negative or vicious cycle. In other words... Uh, we're raised in a society where since we're killing so many animals we don't want to think about it and so meditation and just sitting quietly and being most people never do that like we're always busy, we're always going because we're not comfortable with ourselves because of what we're eating and what we're causing how we're destroying not only animals and we're eating that but also ecosystems, also the injustice in our world Uh, so if we do the opposite of that and make an effort Mm. to That everything that radiates from my life into the outer world all of the ripples uh, from my food and from my choices and from my relationships are positive and loving so I'm buying food that is a blessing I'm, I'm buying products that are not harming others I'm speaking in ways I'm acting in ways that are sending out blessings then when I go to sit quietly and meditate I'm actually more at peace. I feel there's nothing I'm thinking, oh, what's that guy gonna think? And I hope I get away with this. I'm not doing that. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I can savor just being in this present moment. When we start doing that more, we naturally have a more open hearted feeling. And when someone cuts us off in traffic, we go, oh, I hope you have a great day, fella. You know, we're not like, oh, I hate that guy. You know, it's just the. Yeah, you
0: start thinking like, wow. Yeah, you just wonder what happened, wonder what happened to them today. Right. That maybe may they're, put they're maybe them in that, they're, that, that right. state or they're start to their have
2: childhood. Compassion. Yeah, we yeah, we have compassion for them, we have understanding, mm-hmm. and then and, and that just leads us to have more peace. So, I think the the word that I really think is important is the is the word is savor that I think what what we can learn to do with time is to savor our life, uh, to savor the moments that we have when we're meditating, we're just we're being we're aware of our thoughts and we're also aware of the silence and the infinite being that is what our true nature is that is eternal is coming through that we're here just for a sh- few short decades working through this this physical vehicle we're like a flower and it's mm-hmm. very precious and we begin to see other people as flowers and animals and ecosystems and we see the beauty of them and suddenly Life becomes so beautiful, and we don't want to harm anything. We want to just as much as we want to treasure all the beauty on this earth because it's very fragile and transient. And we see that in the children, we see that in old people, we see that in everyone. But we can't see it in them if we don't see it in ourselves. And we won't see it in ourselves unless we take time to stop and savor our own being and the beautiful being that we actually are beneath all of the fear and programming that we've endured. Uh, we've all been wounded, and so to heal those wounds, it's, we're really called to take time to do that. And so this is the positive circle we can build. And food is critical because if I'm if I'm eating food of animal-based origins, there's, it's it's absolutely essential to that they're killed. I mean, you can't eat. <laughs> I mean, you're killing them and you're abusing them. So we don't, and it's not unnecessary. There are no nutrients that we need to harm animals to get. Right. I mean, what about strawberries?
0: They got feelings too, you know. Right. But (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding.
2: I mean, no, really, it's okay. I think we we grow a lot of strawberries here, you know, and we Uh go out there and it's kind of like treasuring these little strawberry plants. I mean, they're, and I I really feel it. Like if when I eat a strawberry, there's all these seeds, the plant has created these berries. And so I eat the strawberry, all these seeds go through me, and that Mm. actually benefits the plant to eat the strawberry and these these strawberry these little tiny seeds go back through me they want you to eat the strawberry they want you to me to that's why they make yeah. it delicious they want me to eat it it's like please eat me that's what they're saying they make it Take a bright my color seeds so go put
0: can... them over there and continue right. evolution
2: we're right. blessing that if i eat when i eat the persimmons and the apples they're like yay that's why i made it so good for you it's delicious and and they make it a bright color so we'll be attracted to it i mean they love it when we eat them you know it's mm-hmm. like fantastic so the whole idea is to just uh, see, work in, in the sense that we're part of the web of life and that we can uh, nurture and foster the web of life and that life feeds on life. Life does not feed on death. I mean, this idea that, well, we have to kill the animal to be healthy, that's based on a complete mm-hmm. misunderstanding. And uh, we can, it's actually the other way around. The more we give and create life-affirming environments that they can feed us, they can feed everyone on a fraction of the land, we could feed everyone on a fraction of the land and we could allow the forest to come back and all the animals that were imprisoned could go back to living their lives freely as they did for millions of years the cows the, all the animals are doing that i mean except for cows like there's there's wild pigs out there there's wild chickens out there in the jungles of southeast asia wild turkeys everywhere wild fish everywhere wild ducks and geese and and sheep and goats and all these animals the last wild cow Unfortunately, we killed only a couple hundred years ago. It was in Poland, like in the seventeen hundreds, we killed the last free living wild cows. And those things they were could, big. They were huge. They were called orcs. They were big they were and
0: they massive. were massive. The, you didn't yeah. want to mess with them. So they right. burned them down to be docile. Right, so, right. I will tell you that like when I went to Hippocrates, their motto is let thy it was uh the food it's not, not, the, food, it's not yeah. the food in your life. Right it's right. the right. life in your food.
2: Right, 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 yeah.
0: Right. And you know, I can tell you, um, I really didn't have any religious Background, spiritual stuff at all. My whole life, I was just like, do good. That's pretty much, you know, be nice, be a good person. You know, just basic common sense stuff. When I went to Hippocrates Health Institute and I went on raw living food diet and got all detox and stuff, um I just started looking around. I'm like, ah, there's something more. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know exactly what it was. I knew there was something more. I just didn't know what it was. And that was in 2011. By finally in 2018 after being led to finally just, I mean, I guess I'm slow on the uptake, but um, I listened to a gal recommended to me, um, uh, uh, Bashar and also um, Abraham Hicks. And she didn't even want to tell me about these people because she thought that I would think she was crazy, right? And because, you know, and some of these people, they, they channeled people and do this stuff, but the reality was is what they were speaking it started resonating with me. and I'm like, man. And then I started applying it to my life and it worked like perfectly. It was like amazing. Like I learned the concept of following my highest excitement, like finding something that right now, like after I get out done with this call and I suggest everybody else to do this as an exercise. When you're done listening to the show, look around and whatever gives you the most excitement that you have the best ability to take action on, do that, go do that thing until you can no longer take action on it. And then look around find the next most Exciting thing that you can do, and do that. And there's the map for your life. Like, that's it. Like, this is the higher mind, the God, he, she, it, whatever you want to call it, the vortex communicating through you through the conduit of, um, of excitement, um, imagination, and, and and then excite through imagination. And then excitement is the map where you need to go. And literally, I started doing that. And then the synchronicities in my life that started happening have the right people, the right place at the right time. And people that I wouldn't even just, people just started lining up for me. My life just started and become, it was almost like a synchronistic flow. So these crazy things, like you were like, you run into some friends that you haven't seen in 10 years at a like right. a resort or something You're like, Oh my God, how are you doing? Oh my God. And you have a blast. You have a party. Imagine your whole life being like that. Every moment of every second of your life, it's possible. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not there yet. I'm still working on this stuff, but um, and then I got into what I wanted to get people excited about was was meditation. Now, you mentioned that you meditate for an hour, hour and a half a day. Now, the for somebody listening to that that's not meditating is probably going, I'm never doing that. I don't got time for an hour. Well, okay, look, it's not going to start out that way, okay? Get your, get your little stopwatch and set it for 10, 15 minutes, and that's it. And you're going to be like, well, my mind's racing all over the place, and people are going to tell you you shouldn't have any thoughts. My personal opinion is – Don't think of it. You can think of it as meditation. You can think of it as clearing your mind, whatever. Just set your ass down, set the clock for 15 minutes and do nothing and just be the observer. And if thoughts come into your mind, let them come and they're going to become, oh, I should be going doing this. I got things I got to get done for the day. What am I doing here doing this? You know, you might be thinking these thoughts. Just let them be. Just check them out. But just keep coming back every single day, ten minutes a day, ten minutes a day, or fifteen minutes a day, fifteen minutes a day. And what you'll find is eventually there's going to be a, a shift, and all of a sudden you're gonna you're gonna start connecting. And if you can go outside in nature, even better, and get outside and get fresh air, um, even if it's a covered thing, if it's raining, get outside if you can, wear a sweater or whatever. Get outside, it's so important. But that meditation component, or just crack your window and sit in front of your window. You know, try to get get that connection to nature and i'm telling you this is one of the most profound things and probably maybe 5 10 15 20 years later maybe you're doing an hour and a half uh, some people are dude do, we're doing like i talked to gabriel cousins uh, or i didn't talk to him but i listened to him he was talking about for a period of time he was meditating 6 hours a day now even well, me hearing that i'm like that's a lot that's
2: a time commitment right we were i was for years i was doing uh like 8 hours a day but, yeah, uh, but you
0: became a, a monk. So, it, I mean, you, most monk, people right. aren't going to do that. So just start with 10 minutes a day. But this is you're very right. powerful it's, medicine, you know, it's, man.
2: It's just exactly what you said. And what, the, one neat little thing I'll just add to that is that um, scientists have been researching meditation and, and they've noticed that there really are very sort of quantifiable um, benefits to people's physiology and in their relationships and the quality of their relationships. And what they found is that whether the people thought they had good meditations or, or bad meditations. It all, it all helped. Even when Mm -hmm. people said, oh man, I had this terrible meditation. I, you know, my mind was all over the place. I couldn't, you know, actually even that was beneficial. Mm. So, so the whole idea of judging it, like, oh man, my, I'm not a good meditator. My mind is all over the place. The the most important thing you said, just sit down and just keep coming back. And it's like riding a bicycle. It's just, you don't try, don't look for progress necessarily. The progress, if you want to look for progress, it'll be in the rest of your life when you're not meditating. And uh, it's uh, it's just a, a wonderful foundation. It's a natural human thing. We're raised in a society where it's not natural because we're eating terrible food and we're pressured. We're all pressured uh, in many ways. But this, will, this is a key to getting clarity so that we're, like you say, we're living... Uh, our own life not somebody else's life by following excitement and another word i think that's a, a good word for excitement is enthusiasm and enthusiasm comes from the greek roots and theos which means to be in god you know basically we're in a divine flow at that point and i think whatever you feel enthusiastic about and call to beyond just um the, any kind of addictive level but really you call to yeah
0: that's what bashar follow. talked about he said that Yeah. Enthusiasm. Was it enthusiasm? Oh no. He said imagination, imagination, imagination Imagination is the conduit between your higher mind and your right.
2: But enthusiasm,
0: um, I haven't really thought about that one. See, excitement is more of like the actionable step Mm -hmm. where joy is just being joyful, right? Excitement is more action oriented. So that's more of, you know, your, what you put out is what you, what you get back. Right. Yeah. So you have this imagination that is the conduit. And then you that imagination leads you to, well, I want to go do this. The excitement then excitement of
2: that right. takes
0: action. Yeah. And then the universe reflects back um exactly what you wanted. Or maybe it reflects back what you wanted on a higher level that but you might not want it on your physical mind. See what I learned was is that the higher mind, God, he, she it, however you want to look at it, that's like the view on the mountaintop. It sees everything it's in you're down there with your physical mind in the valley, in the trees, you can't see what's going on. And you're like, "Um, well, I'm going to go over here. And your higher mind's like, no, go left. You're like, no, I'm going to go right. And it's like, go left. And then boom, you fall in a hole. And then the higher mind's like, okay, pick you up, dust you off. I told you to go left. Now go left. No, I'm going to go right again. Hey, I'm telling you to go left. No, go right. And you go right again, down the hole. The higher mind is like, okay, pick you up, dust you off again. Now go left. Now, why would you want to go left? The higher mind is you. It's trying to tell you, it has your best interest at heart because it is you. It's not going to, it's not going to do you wrong at all ever. It's never going to do that. So, and, um, you know, some people think like this is woo-woo. Like when I grew up Eastern Oregon hunting and fishing, farm kid, redneck, you know, this kind of stuff, we'd laugh at people like like us right now, like me and you. Like <laughs> those hippy, dippy, freaking granola crunching, eating, you know, he, he was probably at Woodstock, you know, he's smoking his doobies and, you know, all that. it's just like societal conditioning, that's actually a form of racism. When you tell somebody they're a nerd or they're a dumb blonde or a dumb jock, that's that's some real forms of racism right there or, you know, woo-woo people. But what I found out is a lot of this woo-woo stuff isn't woo-woo at all. The other stuff are the snake oil salesmen, the people that are peddling, you know, single molecule drugs. They're peddling, you know, don't listen to, don't, don't meditate, don't do your breath work. You know, just yeah. come to us. We'll take care of you. And again, I don't know if we talked about this before, but- um, Jim Rohn said, if you don't have your own plan, um, somebody else has a plan for you. And guess what that is? And
2: not much. Yeah, you'll be. Yeah, right. You're a you're a, a bit actor in their in their drama. basically. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, Dr. Tuttle, um, it's been a pleasure having you on again. Was there any uh, final last words? No, I mean, I,
2: yeah, thank you. It's been great. And I think um, I'm glad that we were able to cover a, a, a lot of different terrain here. Uh, the most important thing, I think, though, really is uh, what we've been saying at the end—to question everything in our society, the official narratives, especially the ones that come through the uh, underlying—the um, um, mainstream media. Me- yeah, the media. You know, the media yeah. is the mainstream media is devastating. Really, any news
0: organization except for the little feel-good stories—if they're telling you something. It's probably the exact opposite. If you get fact-checked, whatever they fact check to say is a fact, it's it's probably a 180 opposite. That's where we're at today. That's where we're at today. So that's a good point. Well, thank you, man, for being here. Um, Just to wrap up, his food solutions, be your own doctor. The most important thing was giving thanks and having gratitude, connecting with nature. A whole foods, plant-based diet has done you well, doctor. 50 years, you haven't been to the doc yourself. Became his own doctor. Um lots of raw living foods, exercise yoga, stretching, breathing exercises, journaling, sleep, reduce EMFs, uh, electromagnetic frequencies, uh, giving thanks. And again, just eat you know, clean water, clean food, and hopefully clean elections. That's what we're gonna be moving towards. So, um, and you guys can check him out at wor- Dr. Tuttle at worldpeacediet.com. That's worldpeacediet.com. Pick up a copy of his book, The World Peace Diet. Um, it's been out for 15 years. It's in 17 languages. It's all over the world. He's been traveling and lecturing for years. Um, uh, and, uh, it's just a, just a, just a great dude. So, um, and then you had another book too, that you recently written. It was something about islands. I thought it was really interesting. What was the name of that book? Your inner islands, the keys to intuitive living.
2: Yeah. Your inner islands. Right. Yeah.
0: So what yeah. are the inner islands? Just a brief.
1: Real quick. The I'm inner
2: sure. islands okay so there's basically the, the whole idea in the book is that all of us are on a journey from this shore to the other shore This shore represents where we are right now the other shore represents our fully developed potential spiritually and physically and uh, intellectually and emotionally and the first island we come to is the island of this is the island of energy the island of meditation the island of understanding the island of relationship, the island of compassion, the island of imagination. And each island has teachings uh, that go with meditations and practices that we can do to actually develop meditation, energy, imagination, relationship. Oh, perfect. So that would be
0: a good book. So you probably get both of his books. So for those of you that are maybe like new at this, you're thinking, hey, I want to meditate, I want to do some more breath work, um, that book would be a a great book. uh, help to you to read through it. It has a guided practice. Is that correct in there?
2: Yeah, it has lots of, um, of specific practices that, okay, that cool. I've used, that people can use. Uh, there's a CD that goes with it. If you want, it's called islands of light. It's on our website. You can find out more there. It's on well, that's, Amazon.
0: Like that's there. great. Well, Dr. Tuttle, thanks again for coming on. And for you listeners around the world, we love you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for liking the videos, sharing and subscribing. Um, we are censored, and um, the algorithms don't pick up truth, freedom, and health, and the messages that we've prone out. So we're really relying on you. And it's the same thing with our business. Um, Dr. Tuttle, like with our food products, it's the same thing. We don't do any marketing other than, you know, I do a lot of shows. I do podcasts. I get direct to consumer, and then people try our products, and then the whole idea is they have good result, and then they tell other friends about it. So we're literally – like old school, this is everything we're doing is grassroots and I wouldn't have it any other way. So we really appreciate you guys sharing the video. It's, it's, it's really, if you felt that there's something good here, please share it with a friend or family member. Maybe this video could help um, uh, change their lives and create a ripple effect that could affect a lot more people. So until next time, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again real soon. Bye for now. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon.
1: You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>